Okay. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Chasing Easy. And as promised, this is the <laughs> follow-up, the sequel to the very first guest that I had that spoke about domestic violence. So I'm going to tell you again that there is a warning, although this warning is you might get your happy on. You might get your vibes <laughs> on. So be warned of that. But in the first episode, if you haven't listened to it, please go back to May and listen to Jesse talk about her experience with a domestic violence situation. Um, and that one, there is a warning label because it gets pretty raw, which is what I think people need to hear because we hide behind it too much and we don't know what's going on, right? Now, yes. this one is bringing you the beauty for ashes that she referred to in the first episode and where her life is now after going through something horrific. And again, just as a reminder, hashtag chasing easy, wherever you're listening to this, invite friends to listen to it. And uh, it airs on the first Thursday of every month. So welcome back again, Jesse. Thank hey, you hey. Here. <laughs> and I know we were kind of chatting a little bit before we started recording. And I would really love for you to share with the audience what you were feeling this morning before we actually sat down for this podcast recording. Uh, it started about the time I woke up this morning and I was thinking exactly how I can call you and tell you I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, I wanted to back out so bad. There was something in me because so right now my husband's in a funk and when I, we've been married for six years and I've never had him in a funk before and I don't know what to do with it. He is always super happy and chipper and I, I don't know where to put it. So how am I supposed to sit down today and have this conversation and be real about, hey, life is lovely. I mean, it is, but I just didn't know where to put that. And then all of a sudden I'm standing in my kitchen contemplating how I'm getting out of this. And God sent me <laughs> bullet points of what I needed to say today. And I'm not a bullet point talker. If you listen to last time, <laughs> you'll see, I kind of, I talk fast and I go all over the board, but God organized it for me today. <laughs> and I'm just stupefied and grateful. <laughs> yep. And I was sharing that that's usually really the, the attack mm -hmm. of the enemy, right? When there's something that is so yeah. profound that you need to share, there will be mm. all kinds of doubts that come into our minds. We kind of sabotage yeah. our own success and our own impact in the world. Yeah. Because we have all these doubts that we subscribe to. So yeah. I am proud of you for <laughs> following through. The audience is going to be gifted from what you have to share mm. because where we left it off was at the end of a tumultuous marriage uh, that included domestic violence and abuse, mm -hmm. you now find yourself in a much different place. So <laughs> again, I'm going to remind folks to please go back and listen to the first episode from May so that you can get caught up when you're listening to this one. So Jesse, from that time when you were officially divorced, yes. to the time in between, to the time that brings us to the present, mm -hmm. Can you succinctly cover that for us so we know what thoughts and emotions you had going through that and then how you were restored? We just yes. really want to hear this message of hope. Yes, I have to tell you more than anything I can tell you out of my story. I feel like it's been a long journey. Um, actually, May 5th, 2014 was the day I got divorced. Um, so that, <laughs> that is where we'll start. And I was a hot, stinking mess that day. And every day that followed, 
And I always say that, well, I'm still a hot mess, but you know what? Jesus loves this hot mess and he continues to work in me and through me. So I'm grateful. You know what? So, I just realized something, Jesse. Yeah. Hold on a second. You said yes. that May 5th of 2014. Yes. Is when you were officially divorced and you're yep, recording to share your story through this podcast was on May 5th, 2022. Yes. I don't think that's a coincidence. No, not at all. I find dates with this um, very, yeah, they're very cyclical and always on point. God's timing is perfect. <laughs> yes. So I just realized that. So eight huh. years later, you're sharing your story to help others yeah. and form others. All right. Yes. Okay. So one of the biggest issues I had, um, when I first got, well, before I got divorced, I had to move in with my sister and her husband and my niece to, for my son and I to find safety. So I found myself waking up, um, on my 11th anniversary with my first husband, um, in my niece's bedroom with a large dog, three cats, and my son and I sharing a bed and life was a hot mess. And I kept going, how did I get here? Like, how did I get here? I didn't know who I was all of a sudden. Like my whole landscape had changed. I had to leave my house, which we ended up selling and leaving. Um, I sold it completely furnished. So we literally brought nothing with us. Now, don't get me wrong. I was very blessed to, my son never had to change schools. You know, like we weren't, we had a place to go and a family to fall with, you know, or fall back on. So it, it was good, but I was scared to death. So um, in this point of life, I kept stopping and thinking, oh my God, who am I? For so long, I had defined myself as a, as a good wife. You know, that's all I wanted to be. I, my mom is a fantastic wife and an incredible mother. And so that's all I ever wanted to be. I want to be just like my mom. So I kept thinking, who am I? If I'm not a good wife or a wife at all, who am I? Like I, I was stupefied. So I called um, the guy that was actually my marriage counselor. Um, and he said, Jess, I have something to tell you. He's like, you're still a good wife. You just don't have a husband. He's like, and that's okay because the qualities that make you a good wife, you still possess. And that also makes you a great mom. How encouraging is that? What a beautiful perspective. Yes. And it, it gave me hope. It was kind of my lighthouse. At, so I didn't run ashore at this point. Um, so as I prepared to get ready, like, so let's fast forward some to when I was like, okay, I've been out long enough. I think I'm ready to start dating. But how do I, like, how do I even know what to do? Because I don't know. I don't know who I am. I don't know what life is supposed to look like. By this point, actually, I bought my sister's house <laughs> that we were living in. So I, again, we never had to move. So you went from sharing a, a bed with your son in your sister's house to owning the house. Yes. And I bought her house furnished. Yeah. So she did, couldn't take her furniture with her. So we bought it furnished. So literally God provided from one to the other. And we still, all we ever needed was our clothes. Beautiful. So it was great. And um, yeah, so uh in, in all of this, I kept thinking, okay, like how do, what, what am I supposed to do? So my counselor said, let's do this, Jess. Why don't you write in the greatest amount of detail you can possibly have, write a day in the life of that you want. Okay, I can do this. And so I kept thinking my sister and her husband have this very beautiful marriage. My sister never takes care of it. She's never made her own cup of coffee. You know, like my brother-in-law makes all the meals. And I kept thinking, okay, this is the kind of man I want. This is, this is it. 
Now they've been together since they were in high school. So I wasn't really sure that was possible for me. Actually, I was just hoping for happy, not my dreams to be fulfilled. So how, how would you define happy? You know, cause we throw that term out there that I just yep. want to be happy. Did you have a definition <laughs> of what happy was? Um, actually, no, really. I wasn't sure. All I knew is I wanted to wake up in the morning. I never wanted to have to put my feet on the floor before I was handed a cup of coffee. It sounds ridiculous, but that's what I wanted. And I had, you know, whatever, just a random list of things that I thought is what made life good, you know, just joy and fun and whatnot. <laughs> Turns out joy is all I really needed. And that doesn't come from my husband. That doesn't come from my son. Joy comes from the Lord. And I had to learn that my husband isn't responsible for my happiness. And, and that was a lot for me to learn. Hold on a minute. Yeah. So what you just said there could be life-changing for somebody who's (laughs) listening. Yes. That took me. Joy is internal. Yep. And happiness is nobody else's responsibility. So when we put onto our significant others, onto our children, that our happiness is attached to them or their performance, it will mm. always disappoint us. So your yes, happiness is your yes. responsibility. I just, I want yes. people and to hear that. Yes. And it's, and it's a choice actually, um, to find joy. And I, I did a study and it was called more than anything. And it was all about do you love God more than anything? And kind of what gets in in the way, you know, things, it was everything from food to your emotions, to your children, your spouse. And I read the one about my spouse and it was, you know, it was talking about, do you put him as the king of your heart where you value him more than anything and your happiness and emotional life is dependent on him? Ouch. Yep. Yes. I was very, very guilty. I mean, this is really recent. In that, there's a whole nother story of me being set free from a different piece of my past, but we'll get, we'll get there. So that's what I find is that joy really does come from knowing and loving God and pursuing him more than anything. And after that, everything falls in place. And when I say everything falls in place, doesn't mean life is perfect because it's certainly not. Our life is a hot mess like everybody else's. The difference is, is that we can stop and we purpose to do this. We stop and, and look back. At all of the all of the messes and purpose to see in each detail of that mess, where did God show up? Where did he take care of us that when we were in it, we couldn't see it? We call it the quarter. So in your life, if you imagine all the bad things that happen are a quarter, you have two choices with this quarter. You can either hold it up really close to your eye where all you can see are all the horrible things, or you can pull that quarter out, hold it the length of your arm away and see just that little bit of mess and all the other things are blessings. So where, where's your quarter? Yeah. Where's your quarter is a common, is a common (laughs) question in this household. Where's your quarter? Where is your quarter? So So, you say that now I'll know what you're referring to. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Um, So along with the writing a day in the life of what I didn't realize when I started dating, I had a list. I need, I needed very specific things. And the man I ended up marrying didn't fit my list. (laughs) I was shopping for the wrong things. And here's what I mean. I didn't know my worth when I started dating. I had no idea. So without knowing who I am and my worth, um, I certainly had been taught that I didn't have any. My value was held in 
what I, in, in trivial things about myself that I took pride in, you know, like, okay, I'm not beautiful, but I'm quirky, <laughs> you know, like, okay, I, I'm settled my, uh, you know, I'm financially stable, um, you know, what, whatever, I'm a small business owner, whatever those things were, I felt that's what I had to sell myself as dating. That is so not what I got when I started dating JR, my husband now. Um, so I knew him from a church from forever and a day ago. And he happened to text me um, on the day my ex-husband was being arrested. Just, hey, I see your, actually I say text. He Facebook messaged me. Hey, I see that your last name changed. I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. The room I was sitting in was a was chaotic and I am not a confrontational kind of girl. So him um, messaging me was the perfect place to hide. So I was like, oh yeah, you know, I got divorced, whatever. I'm ignoring all the chaos that is in my life. And so he was like, yeah, let's get together at some point. Yep, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, yes, I had no intention at all of ever talking to this man again. I just needed a place to escape. Escape, yep. Yes, so... I actually ended up letting him come over um, and watch an Alabama football game with me, which is something that's very sacred. And I just wanted him to shut up so I could watch this football game. <laughs> so I was like, yes, that's fine. Come over. You can watch football. You just have to be quiet. And my husband and I are super chatty, talkative people. So I was surprised that actually went well. Neither of us really spoke during the game. He left and I was like, oh gosh, like actually we had a good time. Like he, all right. So we dated. So this is this is January, late November, early January. Mm. From November to January, we dated, and I did what we call deck dating, because I didn't let men into my home outside that one football game. <laughs> if I was dating somebody, I did not let them in my house because I never wanted my son to meet anybody that wasn't going to be a permanent fixture in his life. Um, so hold on a minute. That that yep. I think is important too because too often. You know, you hear the term rebound, which I think can be pretty hateful, but when you come out of a traumatic situation or a traumatic relationship, it doesn't have to be a marriage. It could be one where you've just been dating somebody for a while. You yeah. have to establish boundaries to get reintroduced to the dating game. So two things that you mentioned that I really like that were part of your mm -hmm. boundaries. One is you had a list of what you were looking for in someone, <laughs> yes. right? Whether it was good or bad or indifferent, it was your list. And this is your lens in looking at potential future dates. Yes. But the second thing is you protected your son yeah. by keeping that relationship outside on the deck, as you call it. Yes. Yep. Still, he passed a certain test, I assume, and he was able to get introduced. So yes. I think those boundaries are critical for women who are reintroducing themselves to the dating world. What would you say to that? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Um, more than anything, my job in this world is to protect my son. Uh, part of our grieving process, and I say our because my son had to experience a divorce as well. He lost his dad. Uh, the day that we got divorced on so May 5th, my ex-husband signed his um, physical and legal rights away to our son. I asked him not to, and he still did it. So now I've got a child who's been abandoned. He has lived with this man that is his biological father for nine years, and all of a sudden he's up and out of the picture. The last thing I want to do is set up my son for another, another bad experience. What I know, I, what I knew I needed and what I still know I need 
is a man that will constantly show my son what a good man looks like, what a good husband looks like, what a good father looks like. Whether or not he is always stoked <laughs> to admit that JR shows up for everything for him, um, there's times where he's like, I don't want him here. And JR, and most often for us, it's medical appointments. Mm -hmm. JR's like, I get it, dude. I'm not your dad, but I need you to know because one day you'll be a dad and you'll be a husband. Good fathers always show up for their children. Mm. Never missed one medical appointment. Yeah, it, it really is. And I didn't, again, I had no idea that men like this exist and they do. Mm -hmm. JR always tells me that a good man is just the base entry line of being able to date somebody. That, that's not the standard. It's the baseline. After that, now we need to start collecting some other characteristics that make them worthy to date you because you're worthy to be dated. This isn't something that you run and jump into. Um, just because I have my son at home, it definitely kept physical limits on my relationship with JR. He de definitely keeps, <laughs> he definitely kept physical limits um, to what our relationship could be. You know, there was, there was keep your hands to yourself and keep room for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I had never dated like that, certainly ever. Um, okay. That's not something that I, you know, I take great pride in, but I got married because I had <laughs> the first time I had sex outside of marriage, which led me to feelings I had that made me attached mm. to my first husband. Yeah. They're called soul times. Yep. And it made me Yes, it made me mentally and physically tied to him in a way that I couldn't escape. So I set myself up for failure there. Dating JR, he, he held that boundary. <laughs> he made sure that if we were going to step into any type of relationship, we had boundaries and we knew what they were and why we have them. Excellent. Yes. So, so it's um, really proceed with caution. I mean, I, that sign just flashed in yes. my head, right? Proceed with caution. Yes. And, and the other thing that you're, you're talking about is our identity and you started the call with identity. And the one thing that I know yes. for certain is when your identity is wrapped up in people, places, mm. or things, yes, it will always fail you. So whether yes. it's wrapped up in what other people say about you, whether it's wrapped up in your possessions, whether it's wrapped up in what you think about yourself, those things are eventually going to fail you. Your title, your status, yes. all of those things. There's only your one identity way right? For your identity yes. to be grounded. Right. As, and if I had given myself away as if that gave me worth, right? That's always where I was. So if I gave myself away, that somehow made somebody love me enough that said I'm valuable. Yeah. And here I am having a gentleman that's like, nope. <laughs> um, okay. Then, then why do you want to date me? Like, I, I, I didn't understand. What does that really mean? You want to date me and, I, and you're not asking for anything. Like, I don't get it. So a real so while, man, Jesse, I'm sorry, because yes, I know no. that this is something I know that my audience, the the, mm. the listening audience, the majority of the, of the women that are listening to this podcast are between the ages of 18 and 30. Yes. So what I really want to hit home on is that you do not have to give yourself away to be loved. As a matter of fact, a real man will yes. cherish and honor you without you giving yourself away physically. So I yes. just and put that point out there. Yes, you are worthy to be dated and you are worthy to wait for. And if you could understand that because you've got greater worth, it is amazing. The life that you end up with on the other side is something you can't even imagine. The life I live now, again, is something I never even had the, 
the courage or the ability to fathom that could be mine. But that's because that's not the life that (laughs) was, mm, I didn't create it. God gave it to me. So again, I'm just going to hop back into JR and I's dating story real quick. Mm -hmm. So between when I started seeing him um, in November till the mm, middle of January, that's all the longer I dated him. Um, I then went radio silent because we were sitting outside one day and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to end up marrying this guy. And again, I told you he's nothing. He was nothing that I thought I was looking for. He's a nice guy. My life was jacked. Like I kept thinking, I'm so broken. I'm going to destroy this kind man. And I won't do that. I really won't. He's too nice for me. He's too kind. He's too thoughtful. He's too whatever. And I'm too messed up. That's how I looked at myself. So I literally went radio silent on the, on JR from the middle of January until September. Uh, he would text me. And this is where I say, I didn't understand my worth because he would text me once or twice a month and that's it. Um, so I didn't hey, ask you. No, no. And he never asked for a response from me. All he would do is say, Hey, I am, I'm, I just wanted to see how you're doing. I want to let you know that I'm praying for you and Donovan and that God will grow me into the man that he needs me to be for both of you. My and that would be it twice a month. And that was it. There was no pressure. And I kind of rolled my eyes. Well, I should jump back. So February, he did text me and say, Hey, I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. I can't keep watching your life unfold. It's hurtful, but I am going to post this on my Facebook page. And I wanted to give you a heads up. This poem was entitled to my future wife from your future husband. And I was (laughs) at the time. I'm like, are you kidding? Like I have been stalked for an entire year. What are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? And, and it was about while I sit in silence, you know, I, I should have, I should have brought it with me today so I could read it. It wasn't long, but it was just, Hey, I'm, I am, I'm letting, I'm growing closer to God. So whatever silence we have, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to sit in it and wait because I know you're the one I'm going to wait. And he did. And he waited this whole time. (laughs) What you can do. And I'm going to put this out there is if you find that, that paper, Oh, send it to me yeah. and I will include it in the show notes so that the audience can pull it up. Yes. It actually became the first. Yeah. It became the first part of our wedding vows actually, because oh here I thought it's this man was nuts, literally insane nuts. I remember showing it to girls at work and being like, what in the world? Like who does this? Who absolutely does this? Who writes to my future wife? I'm not talking to you, mister. Like, I'm not at all. I haven't said a word to you in a month. And this is what you're giving me for Valentine's Day. Like, thanks. I really thought he was off his rocker. Um, But I, again, I didn't know my worth. I didn't know I was worth waiting for. I didn't know I was worth. I didn't know I was worth being prayed for. And I say that with. Because I still, I, I, we talked about it a little bit last time. So that's how my relationship with JR started. <laughs> and it's taken me years actually to figure that out. That oh my, You started our relationship with a purpose, with saying, okay, God, you prepare me not just to be prepared to be my husband, but to be my son's stepdad. Whatever that was going to look like, whatever that relationship was, whatever Donovan needed is what JR prayed to be. That's, that's amazing. That's again, who does that? So we end up getting married, of course. So I started dating him in 
August, September. We were engaged by November and married by April. It was like God just opened my eyes one day and my sister and her husband have knew JR from his past life. Um, <laughs> and they were like, why are you not dating this guy? At least let him court you. I don't know what courting is, but that's what they thought I should let him do. And I was like, I'm not interested. I am really not interested. And, and let me say something. And, okay? Yeah. Because I think that the reason that you weren't interested is because <laughs> you were not ready to receive the goodness that was about to be bestowed on you. Because I didn't think I how you felt about yourself. And this yeah. is for, for the, the women that are listening right now. I really want you to understand that your value and your worth are not <laughs> tethered to someone else. It's tethered to your creator. And until you can recognize that and embrace that and act out of that, you won't be in a position to receive the love that he has for you. You not being whole will not go into a new relationship being whole. So get yourselves whole first and then you can present yep. yourself as someone whole and love somebody else the way that you need to be loved. So I just wanted to put that out there that it was from your perspective because you weren't ready to receive that this did yes. not happen. But again, it's all yeah. in God's perfect timing and that's what's happened. It, so It really was because when I married him, I was still an angry uh, um, little somebody about the life that I had lost, about the situation I had been in. And I, again, that's how I identified myself. I identified myself as my ex-husband's victim. Somewhere in there, I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to be a, an advocate. I'll be a survivor. Like, yay, look at me. I'm superwoman because I've become a survivor. Mm. But I, there was so much anger and unforgiveness that I had to walk through <laughs> and let go of that before I could get there. And this has been literally years and years um, in the process. We were doing a curriculum together, JR and I, um, it's called Freedom. It's a freedom group where you do, you learn to break down all of the yuck that you have so you can get free from all the things of this world that you feel have either been put on you, that you have done to yourself, all, all of the things that stop you. I don't know, Teresa, how would you put it? Like what freedom? Um, well, what it does is it, curriculum. it ushers in peace mm. that you won't even yeah. understand. Yeah. Um, and the freedom that's, I'm talking about is freedom from your thoughts, freedom from your identity being tethered to things other than your creator. Or your past, like all the ugly oh. that I let define me is what I was set free from. And Jesus had already set me free from it. I just had to learn to walk in that freedom, Absolutely. accept it and, and see that and walk through it. I quit um, for a freedom group four times because I was like, I'm not doing this. Like the things that we started into, I, I'm not doing this. I don't want to face my, ugly. I didn't want to face my ugly. And that this ugly was part of my past. And Jared's like, okay, nope, we're doing this. So he signed us up for one um, that took place right after church and in the church room. So I was like, fine, I guess he's not. Really yep. And we got into this group and part of the way through, you know, I'm working through, you know, why I'm scared, why I'm angry, why I'm unforgiving. Uh-oh, you froze up. There we go. Jesse, you're freezing up on me. Yep. It's this darn rain. Can you still hear me? I can now. Okay, so I'm gonna start the changeover. Okay, so what happened um, in this, <laughs> that morning, 
that we were doing this thing together, he goes, one day I hope you can think as much about me as you do your ex-husband. Wow. It was like being smacked upside the head. Here I am sitting with the most lovely, caring and lo man who has for two years put up with me constantly talking about my past. I had been taught you're quiet. You don't you don't talk about the bad things that happened to you. That's embarrassing. Um, you shouldn't you shouldn't let anybody know that this has occurred. So I didn't talk about it. So when I married Jr., I had a lot to talk about. I had a lot to tell somebody the intimate details of the abuse that had occurred, all the horrible things that happened to me, the things that existed physically, but also all the things that had happened that stick in my head, the verbal, ugly things that I constantly held on to. Things like, you know, I had to be allowed to do things. I, I Am I allowed to stay out past dark? Am I allowed to stay up past 9, 9 p.m.? Am I allowed to? I mean, I had that word attached to everything. Am I allowed to? And he kept going, I don't, you're a grown woman. Like, you don't need my permission to do anything. Why are you saying, are you allowed to? Because for so long I lived with, with those boundaries. I had to ask permission for everything. So as I was learning to break that down, uh, yeah, Jared's like, I would like for you at some point just to think as much about me as you do about him. And I said, okay. I'm sticking with this freedom group because I need to learn how to be a better wife. Here I am having thought for so long about, I'm a good wife, I am a good wife. Yeah, well, I needed to find healing for myself so I really could be a good wife to this very lovely human <laughs> that God gave me. Um, but along with this came grief. I'd never grieved my marriage, my first, the loss of my first marriage, that divorce, I thought, okay, well, I'm out. I got out of it. I'm safe. How dare I think, oh God, my divorce. A lot of people, you know, when you get a regular, I'll say that a regular divorce that's not tied to domestic violence, you know, there's a grieving period and you have permission from the world to grieve the loss of your marriage. Yeah. Domestic violence, divorce doesn't feel like that. You feel like you should, all you should be able to do is be grateful that you're free. So where's my grief? Where's my time to say, oh my gosh, I lost a husband. I, I need to grieve the loss of the life I had, the life, the loss of the life I actually thought I would have when I was younger. I needed to mourn the loss of my father's son, my the loss of co-parenting with somebody that we created a whole person together. And now you've dipped out and abandoned our child, but me too. You know, there was so many things I needed to have permission to grieve. The one that caught me by surprise is the morning of my stepdaughter's 18th birthday. JR got up really early and he's texting his daughter the lovely birth story that he and his, uh, he and his ex-wife had together the morning that Claudia was born. And it was so beautiful and so powerful. And I was like, God, how great is it that you've given me a marriage that's safe enough that he can share the story, the love story that... We always said there's room in our marriage for our children's parents' love stories because that belongs to our kids. They were created in love. So there has to be that room in our marriage for it, that there's no room for anger here or jealousy. Wow. The, their story belongs to them and there's room for that. So I, I'm excited that I'm getting to hear for the first time what Claudia's birth was like. This was JR becoming a dad for the first time. Mm -hmm. And the man that I love and how great of a father he is, I, you know, I'm in tears. He was taking 
uh, we didn't have his children that weekend. We just had Donovan home with us and he was taking him away to go hunting to a hunting class. I'm crying at the beauty of what he's texting our daughter. And all of a sudden I find myself angry crying while he's getting ready to take Donovan away. And I held it in for long enough until they left the driveway. And I had an all out tantrum, hissy fit in my bed, crying, angry, mad at JR because you're a good dad. Like, how dare you be there for your ex-wife and your daughter's birth in such a way? That's not the birth story I had. Mine was my ex-husband showing up for, you know, I mean, he was there the moment Donovan was born, but he left immediately. I spent that first night in the hospital alone with my son when it should have been a family event, but it wasn't. My pregnancy should have been something beautiful, not being threatened, you know, to be pushed down the stairs. All of the things that you should have wanted to protect me and, and you didn't want to. Like, how dare you? How dare you not be there for our son that night? And I was so angry because I remember holding down in that night and just thinking, all right, kid, it's you and me. It's you and me against the world. Mm -hmm. That's it. There was no dad. His dad was physically present in most of, you know, for that piece of his life, but he wasn't there the night after he was born, much after about four, 45 minutes after he was born. That was it. That was all I got of a husband. So your real anger was oh, directed towards I, your ex. And, and actually, it was directed at me. Yeah, it, I was angry at me. I was so angry at myself that I never loved me enough to give me the birth story that I should have had. I did that. I chose the person that was going to be my son's father. And I was angry at me because I didn't realize I was worth more. I was worth more. Donovan was worth more. But I would have never been in this position with him. Donovan wouldn't live the life that he has now if I had realized my worth. Yeah. And as I sit here, you know, I've got the Bible in front of me because there's a Bible verse I want to wrap up with today. But if I had read this book at all, now I grew up in church, but if I had ever cared enough just one time to pick up this book, I would have learned how much I am about I'm talking about the whole, yes, about God's word, about the Bible. Yeah. If I had ever picked that up ever just once and read actually what God had to say about my worth, I would have never walked into the marriage because I would have known my value. So um, that's when, so after all this, after that moment of grief, after getting permission to start healing from the trauma and that started from allowing myself to grieve, to be angry at the things I don't have and things I denied myself because that's the life I chose. Mm -hmm. At some point I realized, oh my gosh, okay, but I'm not just angry at my ex-husband, I'm angry at me. Um, and it, compared to him, I was, I was a peach, you know, I was great. I'm a good person. Look at me living with JR. I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not a peach. <laughs> I'm difficult. So there was some ugly in me I had to face, but in this, I grew really a lot closer to God. I had, because again, when I realized I wasn't a peach again, where does my, where does my value go? I don't know who I am anymore. If I'm not an ex-wife, you know, if I'm not a victim of domestic violence, if I'm not a survivor of domestic violence, who am I? What is my purpose in this world? Like, I had no idea. My faith had been built on, God, please, just, I need to survive today, just today, or this hour. Please, God, just get me to the next hour. Get me to the next second, to the next minute, whatever. It was purely survival-based faith. 
Now there's a big wide gap of the type of faith I needed. My life is beautiful and lovely and God, I, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Who am I? Who am I? So I had to build a whole new level of, of definition of who I am. And I don't know. I don't know quite how else to say that besides just learning who I am outside of all the things that have happened to me or things that I've done to myself. Right. Who am I? Who does so God say I am? Not, you're not your past. You're not the decisions yes. that you've made in the past. Mm. You are who you belong to, which is your creator. Yes. And so what you're having to discover about yourself is where is my identity coming from? If it's not coming from what other people say about me, what I say about myself, what I own, what I do for a living, my financial situation, <laughs> where, where is it coming from? And what I hear you saying too, is that with the unforgiveness and anger grows bitterness and bitterness yes. is a root that is very, very, very deep. And I know this for a fact in my mm -hmm. own life. Matter of fact, right. it's one of the reasons why I love to weed. Because the Lord spoke to me one time when I was out weeding a garden and I am the yeah. first one to get in there and get my nails dirty and weed because I know that each one of those weeds, when I pull it out by the root, mm. that's pulling something out from me that doesn't fit with my identity in Christ. Yes. So that is a coping mechanism too. When we don't want to do what I call self-confrontation. Yes. When we're holding on to unforgiveness the piece that I want people to understand is it usually stems from unforgiveness of self. Yeah. We can forgive someone else easier than we can forgive ourselves. But if we don't move past that, we will continue even in the background to have that victim mentality and take that into whatever relationship we have. So you yeah. out of that though, through going through the freedom group, acknowledging yes. it, allowing yourself to grieve, and now you're in a place where what did you discover who Jesse is? Okay. So I always, I always felt like I needed to apologize for who I am. Um, my, my dad doesn't like loud sounds. He's, you know, he's retired military, like lifelong military. Everything needs to be just so concise and in order and in a box. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't fit in a box. <laughs> I, we, we always say around here, the only time I'm, uh, I'm in a box is when I'm in the swimming pool. And that's only because it's shaped like a square. <laughs> it's the only box that I fit in. <laughs> so I am loud. I am excitable. I am wiggly. And I always thought I'm a lot. I'm too much. I'm overwhelming. And then I read this and I was actually teaching it um, to folks about who they finding out who they are, like how God designed them. And it's so it's Psalms 139, 14. It says, I I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Now, normally that's where people stop. Okay, great. God made me. And I, I'm, it was perfect. Yep. In my mother's womb. And the piece they miss is the last sentence in that is, and that my soul knows it very well. Do you know very well who God made you to be? I had to start to be okay with the fact you know what? <laughs> I may not be made for everybody, but the people I am made for, I am made for. 
people that need, you know, a cheerleader, somebody that's excitable, somebody that is passionate about everything I could put my hands on. That's me. I am made for that person. And somebody needs my story that comes, whatever that is. My testimony of domestic violence comes with actually a level of excitement, which is, oh my gosh, there's so much more for you. God has designed you with a purpose. And while you didn't necessarily want your testimony to come out of domestic violence. I certainly didn't. This isn't how I wanted God to show up and use me, but he did. He took a horrible situation and made something beautiful out of it. And that is the the hope and the joy that comes in life that can only come from him. That level of healing, that anger and nastiness that kept popping out of my mouth all the time at people that didn't deserve it. All of that went away without purpose, getting rid of that anger and that, you know, watching my mouth. It came from letting God heal me, touching those pieces of my life and him slowly and gently guiding me. So he'll lead you to where you need to get. You don't have to work. God's not condemning you. God's not saying, look, look what you did. You jacked up your life so much. No, he said, that's okay. I've got you. Like I've got you. honey. I knew long before you were made what was going to happen and that's okay, but I've got you. So now let's look at who you are and know that who you are is not a mistake. You were made on purpose with a purpose. Now let's take that and run. So yeah, I, that, that's kind of my whole thing. Like my life is great because I choose to look back and see, oh, okay. The day my ex-husband signed away those rights that I was so mad about was actually, I didn't know that my son was going to end up with a, uh, an autoimmune disease that I would have had to include him in, in every single step of the way, which would have never allowed Donovan a a life of freedom to not have to know what abuse looks like. So now Donovan will always say out loud, I am where it stops, mom. This is where domestic violence, the generational sin or curse that comes with that is done. I'm finished. It is finished. I am the last one that will ever have to be mom. I will be the first man that in our family name will never have will will never abuse anybody it will never happen so that says that every woman that will come after me will never have to know the the sadness of of domestic violence the ugliness that i live with in my head they'll never have to know that and what a gift what a gift but it's all because that one day he signed a piece of paper that i begged him not to i don't give away our son why would you give away our son But when he did that, he set us free and God set this beautiful now lineage. I will have my generations after me may never know my name. They may never know Donovan's name, but what they will know is freedom, freedom from domestic violence. And maybe they'll never realize, but thank you, Jesus. Like, thank you. So there's a lot of things, but you do have to always purpose in life to look back and see the beauty in all of the ugly because it's there. I guarantee you it's there where do you find it? Can you make it write that down to where that's the focus of your story, where you can find God, see him in the details, mm-hmm. in, in, all, in all of the chaos? Where is he? Because he's there and he's taking Even care for, of For those of you that are that are listening, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off, Jessica. No, no, no. I get this in there. For those of you mm-hmm. that are listening that may not have a relationship with, with mm-hmm. Jesus, or you've walked away, or you're agnostic, or maybe you're even an atheist. Yes. I would dare you to give equal time to the Bible as what you're giving to other things. And then decide after you've given that equal time, which place you land. 
And that's completely up to you. It's between you and it's between your creator. It's not between me or Jesse or anybody else. It's your own private personal journey. But I would say that if you've been living a certain way without the creator and the advice and the wisdom that he brings and the life and the love that he gives you and the freedom that he ushers in for you, if you've been living a certain way under condemnation, try something different. Try something different. And in the same yes. psalm that Jesse referenced in Psalm 139, there is, I want to say it's verse 16 or 17. It says, every one of your days I knew before one of them came to be. What that means is your creator knew you from the moment of conception till your last day. There is yeah. nothing that you're going to do that's going to make him love you any more and nothing you're going to do that's going to make him love you any less. Nor anything that will surprise him. He will never be, yeah. he's not going to be surprised at like, oh, I screwed the pooch today. He, he is knows. never surprised. Right. So the that's Bible, why there's the confirmation. Right? <laughs> yes, he's already shown up. But I will tell you, so this is how I knew I was jacked up and ugly on the inside. My husband sits down every morning and he reads his Bible and he prays and I'm watching this transform him. You know, he's getting to be better and kinder and the, the level of passion he has kind of actually ticked me off. He would get up and ride his uh, stationary bicycle in the morning. Up, right? yeah. Well, he would sing these praise and worship songs as loud as he could on our back porch at all of the neighbors. And I'm like, oh my God, like, are you kidding me? He's like, don't you want to ride the bike beside me? And I'm like, no, I'm, I want to kick you off of it is what I want. And I would go out there and I would spew anger. Literally, I wanted to kick him off the bicycle. And I took everything I had not to do it until one day I was like, you know what? Fine, I'm going to try it. This isn't going to work reading the Bible and praying and doing this whole thing, it's not going to change anything. I'm still angry. Mm. So that's how, yes, I know that if you put the time in uh, and you don't kick your husband off the bicycle, but you do challenge and change that is in him. And you're like, let's see what this does. Yeah. You'll find out what this does. Wow. That, yeah. That's wonderful. And I got to tell you that the vision that just came to my mind is when David brought the tabernacle back and his wife had contempt for her because he was dancing and, you know, all this in the of Jerusalem, that vision just reminded me of your story there. So anyway, <laughs> I don't want to get all theological. Yes, no. Um, but no. I, I just, I want to end because I know that we, we've taken an yeah. hour here and I, I would just like to end with one last thing because your life is beautiful now, but you, you used your past to inform your future. You're not yes or stuck in the past. And I think that's that's paramount for people to hear. Yes. But what is the last word of encouragement that you would give the audience that's listening to your story? What's something that you would say to encourage them for moving on? Oh, good gracious. So yeah, once you realize that you're not defined by your past, you're not defined by your mistakes, your mistakes and your past will always creep back up in you, uh, up to you. The, it, it'll play games in your mind. But still, the faster you can recognize that hurt. Mm, okay, real quick. This is, sorry, last thought, I promise. <laughs> um, I was once taught, so when the past sneaks up on you, I was scared for a very long time. I would react in fear to a lot of things. I was taught this. If you stop, like I would break a plate and I would start apologizing. Oh my gosh, I'd cry because, oh my God, I'm going to get in trouble. Stop, count backwards and say, you know what? I'm Okay. I am okay. I am not in danger. I am not, you know, I'm not in trouble. Life is good. 
I still use this. When I catch myself being angry at me, <laughs> JR stops me and makes me say three nice things about myself, but whatever it is, you know, like crap, I'm a bad mom. Like today, man, I really, I have messed up whatever it is that I have done. I will stop and I, and I count backwards to change my thought pattern. And, and then I tell myself, you know what? I am a good mom. I just had a really crappy moment. <laughs> you know, like I had a bad, a bad moment. It does not define me one moment doesn't define my whole 24 hours. It's a moment. So if you could look at your life that way and not run with, I'm having a bad day, but dude, I had a bad 20 minutes, a bad 12 hours, all 24 do not have to be defined by that one bad thing. Yep. So in essence, what you're saying is recover quickly. Yes. Yes. Find out, remember your worth, remember your worth in that moment. Being bad in one moment does not make you a bad human, a bad woman, a bad wife, a bad mom bad employee that does not define you it does not define you excellent yes Jesse, i gotta thank you again for just a bunch of powerful information and a testimony that i know is going to touch lives mm-hmm. that is going to change people so god bless you thank you again yes. and i appreciate you coming back we'll see you soon <laughs> Thanks, guys bye